Fall time in Tennessee. Vol Nation, welcome in. Episode 9 of the VFL Show. Be sure and subscribe to my show, the VFL Show, on most listening platforms. I don't know what Apple's problem is, but you can pretty much get us, you know, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeart, most places where you get your podcasts. Just type the VFL show in the search bar. Be sure to follow us, too, on uh, on X or Twitter, uh, uh, at the VFL show. So, a wonderful weekend, and that's because... You know Tennessee won, of course. I mean, you know it, it was it was a really good game, a uh, defensive struggle. Um, but to, well, maybe you know what? Maybe this is a better way to put it: an offensive struggle. It was it was a defensive game for sure. Uh, there was some there was some stuff offensively for both teams. I'm sure that they'd like to like to redo. But um, always a great weekend to be in Knoxville. Um, we were able to catch up with. Uh, me and my brother-in-law were able to catch up with, with our tailgating friends that we met uh, at the South Carolina game. They were in a different spot, but it was really, really cool still um, to see them. They were so nice to us uh, previously, so that was cool. Um, it just great, great, you know, weather. Uh, there was a, a little bit of rain when we drove in Friday night, coming, coming, you know, through the mountains in in Tennessee, but. Friday, you know, uh, Friday night later was better, and then Saturday was 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 great. It was nice and cool. Sunday Sunday morning when we left, uh, and that and that was your weather that was your weather report uh, from me apparently uh, to to begin the show. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, can't thank you enough. Uh, Tennessee was victorious, twenty to thirteen. Uh, in a game where they covered the spread, it didn't look like they were going to do that uh, for the longest time. But uh, D. Williams changed that, and we're so happy. We, I was, I was, I was thrilled that he got his hands on a punt because uh, he was able to do some good things with it. So that was that was obviously a key moment in the game. Um, Texas A&M scored first possession, and that ended up being their only touchdown of the game. So from from my point of view. You know, when you're looking at it and you see that Texas A&M scores in the first drive and, and tech, uh, Tennessee's defense had been just so good. And they were the rest of the game, but they had been just really, really, really stout and stingy. Um, and they gave up the first touchdown of the game. You're kind, and, and Texas A&M had deferred to the second half, so they're going to get the ball in the second half. I know that one is far away from the other, but you got to think about this. Tennessee offensively needed to make sure that they were able to keep up. If it was going to be a shootout, which thank God it wasn't um, with both these defenses, if it was going to be a higher scoring game, a back and forth, that might have been a little bit more difficult because as we saw, Tennessee offensively was had their struggles, um, to put it mildly. So um, Texas A&M gets off to the first uh, you know, gets off to a fast start with the first touchdown. Um, Tennessee was able to answer. They were able to keep the game close. So it was 10-7 at halftime. Um, Milton did find Jacob Warren for a touchdown. That was Tennessee's only touchdown 
um, offensively, um, as D. Williams had the other one, and there would be a couple of field goals, of course. So, you know, 10-7 at halftime, Tennessee's defense is, is getting a ton of pressure uh, on Max Johnson. Max Johnson felt it all game long. Uh, he's probably pretty lucky he's still somewhat healthy uh, because he got knocked around a bit. You know, um, Tennessee's front four was was good. Uh, they they did their job, and when Tennessee would would bring extra bodies, uh, those guys did great. Uh, the secondary for Tennessee was great. Um, Kamal Haddon was great. Um, Gabe Judy Lolly was great, and those were the two guys who had interceptions for Tennessee. Um, there's a lot to be said about Tennessee's offense. Can't give Tennessee's defense enough credit. They they were just you know they were balling all game long and that's not going to that's not going to win you every game in the SEC uh, especially with the opponents that Tennessee has coming up you know over the next uh 4 or 5 weeks but it does say a lot about what Josh Heupel has been able to do with his defense so the first 2 years uh Heupel's at Tennessee the defense is not the best but even saying that um they were able to win 11 ball games last year with a defense that if it was just a little bit better, it wasn't great, but if it was just a little bit better, they would have been in the college football playoff. So that says a lot about what, what Josh Heupel has done at Tennessee and his defense this year is so good. Um, they're able to get penetration. They're able to get into the backfield. They're able to disrupt. Um, they're able to get, the quarterback moving, uh, and at that point, it is the second and third level's job, you know, your safeties and your corners and your defensive backs, it's their job to finish off the play, and Tennessee has been really, really good at that. Um, not even Alabama, who played Texas A&M the week before this past weekend, uh, had, was able to, was able to um, rush now that we're talking about the offensive side of the ball, rush for as many yards as Tennessee did. I think they had 230, I want to say 236. Um, Jalen Wright had I mean, a lot of it. I think his, his was in the 130s. Um, all the backs were good. And uh, Auburn and Ole Miss and Alabama were not able to do to Texas A&M what Tennessee did uh, in the rushing game. Uh, the passing game is a lot to be desired. I, I've, we've, we've talked about this. Um, and by we, I mean me to you, if anybody listens. But it's not a secret. Uh, it's been talked about uh, how, you know, Joe Milton is, is not efficient. Um, this game, he was 11 of 22 for only a hundred yards. That sounds like a stat line from like one half, um, let alone an entire game. Um, is this all on Joe? No, it's not all on Joe, but, uh, Joe needs to be more efficient in his decision-making, whether it be, um, 
in the RPO, uh, after a drop back on the run, um, just, just better with his decision-making. Now, were there more drops in this game? Yeah, there was, uh, Ramel Keaton dropped one and he was, uh, he had nothing in front of him, but green grass, um, in the end zone. So there's still that frustration. Thornton dropped one, but it came right to McAllen Castles. So had McAllen Castles not been there, thankfully he was, it would have been another drop for uh, Dante Thornton. Uh, Castles, speaking of him, had a better game, a couple of catches. Chaz Nimrod uh, was Joe's favorite target that could actually hold on to the ball. Um, he caught a, a, a few passes, which is good for him. Uh, you know, Squirrel was there as well. Um, it's just this team is not going to beat Alabama or Georgia or, or, you know, others. I feel confident that they could beat Kentucky and, uh, uh, Kentucky and Missouri with a game similar to this. But you're not going to beat, um, and by you, Tennessee, is not going to beat a team like Alabama or Georgia playing offense like this. So, like, you can you can take a look at Alabama's team this year and they're not like you know the prior uh year's teams uh in terms of being scary on offense and defense their defense is really really good but Alabama's offense is uh, they're having problems offensive line wise and there's still that issue with you know with with Milrow um and him being the guy or not obviously he's the guy Nick Saban has gone to him the most um, but they have their problems on offense. And if Tennessee takes care of defense, uh, if Tennessee takes care of business on defense, like they did against, um, Texas A&M and South Carolina, it's going to give them an opportunity to win this ball game. Uh, Tennessee has not beaten Alabama in Tuscaloosa since 2003. So it's just like Florida. Um, that was the last year that Tennessee won there. Tennessee with the 52-49 victory last year at Neyland Stadium. I was there. I'll never forget it. I still can't believe they won that ball game. Um, but Alabama's going to be looking for revenge because a lot of their guys are still on that team. And Milrow was on the sideline, and he remembers, so I'm sure he's you know, going to be super ready for that game. Um, Alabama is... You know they're still in front in the SEC West, and so you've got to you got to take care of business if you're Tennessee because everything is in front of you. You you know what I mean? Like not even even if you lose this game, which you don't want to do, but this is a a game against an SEC West opponent. So in terms of the East, you know with with Tennessee and and Florida and, and Kentucky all having a an SEC East loss. Um. They're still not out of it. So, like, if you look at the standings, you got Georgia up there, and then Missouri is right behind. And then you've got all bunched there with one SEC loss is, is Tennessee, Florida, and, and um, Tennessee, Florida, and Missouri. So, that's kind of where the battle right is right now. Say what you want about Florida and Missouri. Um, that's where the battle is right now for the SEC East. Um has Georgia looked impressive 
all year, no. But they come to play in big games. And that game, um, which is, you know, 33 days from now at Neyland Stadium against Georgia, could very well be for the East, and Georgia will be ready for that game. They will not have Brock Bowers. Um, some news came out today that he had the same surgery Cedric Tillman had last year, uh, the tightrope surgery on his ankle. So um, with Bowers being a top five, top ten pick, uh, does he come back even if he's healthy at the end of the year? I don't think so. I think that, you know what I mean, you do what's best for you when you're a college kid and you're you're going to make millions upon millions in the NFL. You don't risk that. So Brock Bowers, for all intents and purposes, not being there in that Tennessee game is a, is a win for Tennessee. But you got to go out there if you're the Vols and you've got you've got you've got to make offensive decisions. Uh, if you're Joe Milton and company, and really just Joe Milton. I mean, uh, you know, the receivers, of course, need to catch the ball, but Joe Milton is the most important guy on the offense besides Cooper Mays, in my opinion. He's got to command and lead the offense to victory. And uh, Georgia is one of those teams because they're so good on both sides of the ball that um, you're going to need a, a, a tremendous effort from both sides to, to beat them. Um, but but back to, you know, Alabama, focusing on them, um, they haven't impressed me all year. Uh, they've been in some rock fights. Uh, I mean, look, they, they beat Arkansas by what? three, four points, and they really should have beat them by way more than that. Arkansas is not very good. They were in a rock fight with, with South Florida early in, earlier in the year. I know that that was during their quarterback, you know, shuffling. But if this is the year for Tennessee to go down to Tuscaloosa and beat the Tide, it is this year. No doubt about it. Um, who really knows how long Nick Saban has left coaching wise in, in Tuscaloosa. Um, I noticed that he goes on Pat McAfee's show every week and he's very, um, it's very smiley and he's a little bit more relaxed and, and, and he's not, he's, you know, I'm look, does he go on his radio show and, and, and in front of the media in, in Tuscaloosa and, and, and probably, you know, say things in a way that is, is very Nick Saban-like of years past. I'm sure he does. But I'm seeing him go on national TV, on ESPN, on McAfee, and he's seems more laid back, seems more smiley. It, it, you know, it's, it's almost like Nick Saban knows that it's almost over for Nick Saban, and he's just trying to relax and ride his way out in the sunset. Or, or... He's smiley because he knows he's got something cooking for Alabama. Um, but I kind of feel like we would have we would have seen it by now. You know, we're we're halfway or more than halfway for some teams uh, into the season, and I think that Alabama, if there were issues, there would have been solved by now. So that's that's a good thing for Tennessee. Um. I think Tennessee can win. I don't, you know, on a Monday after, uh, after a really good victory over Texas A&M, where the crowd was um, just amazing, just fantastic, checkered the the stadium perfectly. Um, I'm feeling good, you know, about about their chances. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pick them come Friday. 
but I guess that's that's a conversation for later in the week. Um, the VFL show uh, is is what the show is called. Please subscribe on most listening platforms at the VFL show on X or Twitter. Please follow me there. Um, doing a lot of interacting with uh, with a lot of fans uh, over the past couple of weeks. I really really appreciate everybody's interactions, good or bad. Um, it's always good to know that people um, have something to say, and there's so much that you scroll through on on social media, and just for people to take the time to like and retweet and comment to me, I really really appreciate it. A um, couple things before we get out of here: um, Texas A&M's fans that were there uh, at the beginning of the game were loud. Um, I know that they had scream practice or whatever, yelling practice, whatever the hell they call it, uh, at the convention center in downtown Knoxville Friday night. But uh, their fans begin the game, and for a lot of the first half, were pretty pretty loud. Um, it kind of dwindled throughout the game, but you knew that their fan base was there. And it was something that... So I've been to Neyland seven times if you include a spring game last uh, this this past spring. So I've been to six games in a spring game. Not even Alabama's fans were were that loud. Um, so that says something. That's kind of props to them. Uh, it made the environment uh, really, really amazing. Um, something else that made the environment really amazing was, you know, Tennessee's fans. Neyland Stadium wins again. Neyland Stadium is undefeated um, <clears throat> when it comes to these things. Um. I know me and my brother-in-law, we, our bodies and, and voices, everything is just, just a hurting on a Sunday and Monday after after a, a, a game at Neyland Stadium. Neyland defeats you. Um, there's just not a whole lot more to say uh, about that. It's just it's, it's such a special place. Um, have a lot of fun uh, every time we go. Um, most likely going to be back for the Vanderbilt game. Um, I guess we'll see, kind of see the way it goes, but I think that's the next time that we'll be able to be there. Uh, there was something else I wanted to, uh, touch on. Take that Gary Danielson. I just want to, just want to throw that in there uh, as well. Um, Game time for Kentucky and Tennessee in Lexington a week from Saturday was announced. It's 7 o'clock. It's at night. Uh, that was pretty much to be expected there. Um, if I had to if I had to pick a game time for Kentucky uh, because of the two 3.30s back-to-back that were coming, it was either going to be noon or 7, and I didn't think it was going to be noon. So it was pretty easy. That game will be on ESPN Uh a really important game for Tennessee. Some might label it as a trap game. I might have labeled it a trap game as South Carolina last year. I might have labeled the South Carolina game a trap game last year, so maybe I should stop labeling things trap games because that game at South Carolina last year was one of the toughest nights of my Tennessee fandom experience um, so far. But uh, to end with this, definitely wanted to touch on the fact that a lot of people are calling for Joe Milton to be replaced by Nico Iamaliava, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen right now. It probably won't happen in the games coming up either. 
Uh, if Tennessee were three and three or two and four, then I could understand that. Um, but everything is in front of Tennessee, and Joe Milton has not lost you any games. Has he won you any games? No. Not squarely, but he hasn't lost you any games either. So I know there's a lot of talk, um, you know, on, on, on X, uh, Twitter, whatever. And I've, I, you know, posed a question to, you know, Vol Nation, you know, last night, which I've gotten a lot of responses from. Does Nico Iamaliava win you the Florida game instead of Joe? And my answer to that is no, because the defense gave up 20 points in the second quarter alone. And could Nico have mounted a comeback in the second half? Sure. I mean, how likely is that? Not likely. Does Nico Iamaliava win you the South Carolina game? I mean, the defense was good. The running game was phenomenal. Okay, so maybe he does. What about Texas A&M? Again, defense was good. Running game was phenomenal. Possibly. So what are we looking at? The same record? I don't think that you march Nico out there if he's not going to win you more ball games than Joe. Joe has been in college for six years. So... Has he earned the right? Yes. Does that mean that you start over a freshman because you've been in college longer? No. Joe's got the experience. His decision-making needs to get better. He has been in college for six years. Is it going to change? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Do you put Nico in the Alabama game as his first game? No. Or Kentucky? No. You don't. Georgia? Missouri? I mean, yeah, sure, you play them against UConn, but that's only if Tennessee is... is Are they able to get up by enough points in that game? I think what you're looking at, realistically, if Joe is healthy, he takes all the meaningful snaps. If he's not, then Nico comes in. And that's just where we're at. It's going to be Nico's show next year. You got Merklinger coming in, okay? It's Nico's show next year. And all these people who want Nico absolutely have to be prepared for Nico not being as good as you think. Now, he could be better as well. But I don't think you make the change is the bottom line. That's the bottom line. You don't make the change to Joe or from Joe to Nico um, at this point. Uh, Tennessee getting ready for Alabama. That's a 3.30 kick on ESP or 3.30 kick on CBS. Second week in a row, it's the CBS uh, game of the week. And also second week in a row that SEC Nation and Marty and McGee and company will be you know, involved in a Tennessee game. So that's really, really cool. Um, going to wrap it up and get out of here. I'll be back Friday to talk more about the tide and talk more about my prediction and what's happened during the week and, and, uh, maybe some other cool fun stuff. So thank you so much for listening, uh, at the VFL show on X and Twitter, the VFL show in your search bar for, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And I believe that if you go to uh, the 1796 sports. Well, I don't believe I know this. The 1796 sports. Uh, you can find our show there. There's plenty of not only Tennessee volunteer content, but uh, Tennessee 
professional sports content as well. Uh, and there is a YouTube channel that they have started. There's another show uh, with the guys from the 1796 Sports and uh, a normal Vol fan. So I look out for that. Be sure to check them out. And uh, everybody, have a great week. Be safe. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Oh,